Welcome to the Green Acres Podcast. We are so glad you're here. At Green Acres, we strive to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. Today's message comes from Pastor Michael Gossett. Now, commandment number five is, is not really tricky. Um, it's, it's pretty clear in what it means, but the implications are much further than we can imagine. You see, commandment number five, just like the rest of the commandments, are for a freed people, a people that God himself has redeemed. He's placed them in a, um, in a nation that is free, in a land that is free. And he's saying this is what it looks like if you want to continue living in freedom. If you want to live as a freed and redeemed people, then this is what it looks like to live. I find it interesting that in Exodus chapter 31, you see Moses coming down off of Mount Sinai, and it says that he has two tablets. Now, many people believe that these were different, that they had different uh, commandments on it. I believe that uh, they were two tablets, that they were just copies of the Ten Commandments. So you had one copy that would go in the Ark of the Covenant. Then you'd have another copy that was used for memorization, that was used for teaching, is used for the people. But historically, what we find out is that many people split up uh, the Ten Commandments into two sections, or what is called two tables. Now, on these tables, you have commandments one through four. Those are the ones that we just studied. It had everything to do with our vertical alignment. It had everything to do with our worship before the Lord, how we stand before God. And then there's this transition in commandment five to the second table that talks about all of our horizontal relationships. What does it look like as God's people to live with each other? What does it look like to uh, relate to one another? And this is what this fifth commandment really is teaching. And so if you have your Bible, if you have it open to Exodus chapter 20, we're only going to read verse 12 uh, together. And so if you would, would you stand with me if you're able? And we're going to read verse 12 together. It says this, it says, honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Heavenly Father, we ask right now, Lord, that by your spirit, Lord, that you would take these words, that you would take this moment, and God, that you would press into our lives. God, we want to hear from you. Father, that is our desire. We want to be more like your son, Jesus. And so will you stir in our hearts in such a way, God, that that is possible. And so, Father, we ask you to move now. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, you may be seated. You know, when we're talking about a better authority, um, it it seems kind of counterintuitive to our culture today. But this isn't anything new, right? This isn't anything new to us because we see that maybe in our generations, okay, that are represented in this room, that you saw that the 60s were kind of this summit of all anti-institutionalism. It it was the apex of anti-government. 
anti-authority. Any type of structure, any type of institution that would reign over anyone, immediately there's this stiff arm that kind of was produced during the 60s. Uh, But the problem is we don't see much different today because uh, the effects of that continue through the 70s, the 80s, 90s, and the 2000s, and here we are today still struggling in the same way. And now it's not that the 60s, uh, this was the first time that we saw, it's just it was one of those moments that kind of marked it in history for us to look back on as a nation to realize that there was a movement against authority. Now, how are we uh, to live in this way? Because the Bible is very clear that authority is good for you. You see, whether we believe that or not, or whether it feels like it at times, there is actually, uh, it's a good design that there is authority uh, over you. And what we see with this fifth commandment as the foundation for authority After the Lord is reigning supreme, you're worshiping him. There's no one else above him. There's no one else uh, beside him. Then it transitions and says, if you want to allow the worship of God to manifest in your life and then to be deployed into the culture, it rests and is set inside the home. See, this is the design that God has given us. At the beginning of this second table, in all of our relationships with people around us, what the Lord is saying to us, hey, the healthiness of your relationships is dependent and correlated directly to your healthiness at home. Now, many of you may be thinking right now, well, you don't know my home. You're right, I don't. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know if you have a mom or dad in the house. I don't know if you've uh, been adopted. I don't know if you are a part of foster care. I don't know if you were the parent that abandoned your child early. I don't know any of your story. But we do know is that God's word is true. What we do know is that even though our circumstances may tell us something different, the culture may tell us something different, it is actually good to honor your father and mother. Now, I want you to hear how scandalous this is. For anyone to say at this time that you should honor a woman was completely out of line. I think it's necessary for us to pause here and say that this was on the front end of what it truly meant for man and woman to be made in the image of God. He says that you are to honor your father and your mother. When Jesus was on the cross dying for your sin and my sin, he looked to make sure that his mom was being taken care of. And he entrusted her to his most trusted disciple, the beloved. He said, behold your mother. Now, what does this teach us about family? Even in that one statement from Jesus, we see the ideology that kind of runs throughout, that it's not just centered on this understanding of your family alone. You see, when we talk about family, listen, it is much bigger than just uh, you and your spouse and your two kids. It goes beyond that. Jesus said that all those who belong to the Lord our brothers and sisters. You know what Jesus is painting a picture here is that no matter what circumstance you may be facing, that you have a family in the Lord. 
That no matter how lonely you may feel, no matter how lonely you may be, guess what? You have a family in this body of believers. By the way, this is why we take church memberships so important here. This is why we take it so serious here. It's because what you are saying when you join this body of believers, that you are saying, I belong to this family of God. See, it means something. It's not just where your check goes. It's not just where you show up on Sundays. This is where you do life. That's what it means to be a member of this church. And that's in line with all New Testament thought. And it's in line with what the Lord was teaching all of God's people right here. And it begins with a word that says honor. See, everything is, is kind of pivoting for our understanding of relationships, our understanding of the home, the understanding of how you relate to, to your parents. He says honor. Now, what do we learn about honor? Well, the first thing is that honor is the heritage of God's people. It's the heritage of God's people, meaning that this is what we are to be passing down over and over and over again, that we are to make sure that we are passing along to the next generation of God's people. This is his heritage, and this is what the family was created for. Now, if you think about it, if the family was created so that we could send out people into the world, I mean, just think about it. We just celebrated our seniors this past week. Graduations are happening, and they're getting ready to go out into the world. What does this mean exactly? Well, it means that the family is the unit that is sending missionaries out into the world. This is the arrows that we talk about when your quiver is full. It's not arrows so that you can just shoot randomly. It's arrows that can be, sh that can be shot like a warrior into enemy lines. We are called to raise up children in the likeness of Jesus so that they may pierce darkness with the gospel of Jesus Christ. No wonder, no wonder that the family is always the target of the enemy. Always. If you are a family unit or even an individual that you are working toward and you are striving, you are desiring to live in God's design, there's a target on your back. Because here's what we do know throughout history, that if the family can be broken down and live outside of God's design, then the society will break with it. The culture will go with it. But a culture of darkness cannot stand with families in the light, and vice versa. This is why when we talk about honor, we need to understand that that Hebrew word there, it means heaviness. It means weight. So when it says honor your father and your mother, it means that we should understand the weight that is on parents. We should understand that there's a weight that is placed on adults. And by the way, that this goes beyond just mom and dad. This goes beyond that. What we need to understand is this, this is a calling for every single adult to make sure that we are raising up the next generation for Jesus Christ. You see, the, this past year, a couple years, we've seen an, a more emphasized attack on the family, it seems like. 
I mean, there was this one article that was, that was released by a man named David Brooks, works for and writes for the New York Times. It said, the, the title of the article was this, the nuclear family was a mistake. Just think about during 2020, while everyone was kind of locked at home, the television was in front of us, and over and over again, what we saw on social media, what we saw in the news was over and over again attack against authority, an attack against the family. In fact, Black Lives Matter that had a huge uh, a watching, a huge following during this time, they made a statement as an organization that they exist a, and they have a desire to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. There's an attack against families. Over and over and over again, this is what we see from the enemy. In fact, this was the very first thing that we see an attack on in Genesis chapter 3 when the serpent comes to Adam and Eve. Do you think that this was miscalculated? No, it's on purpose. If the enemy can get inside the marriage, the family will collapse. If the family will collapse, then the society around it, the culture around it will not know Jesus. So there's this weight. There should be a heaviness on everyone to make sure that we are protecting the family. What is the family? Listen, Genesis chapter 2 gives us clear understanding of what the family is really supposed to be about. I love what I say this in every wedding that I do. I quote Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 that says, uh, this is why a man leaves his father and mother uh, and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. I quote this every wedding because there's this significance to what the Lord is teaching here in his design of the family. He's saying, listen, this is what you are to do. You are to subdue the earth. You are to multiply. You are to fill the earth with the likeness of God himself. What that means is is that as a man and a woman get married according to God's design and they have children according to God's design, that they would raise them up in the likeness of Christ so that they would go and penetrate the culture around us. Anything different than that is outside of God's design. You see, we have a misunderstanding of the importance of family, and we see the culture shaking around us because of it. We have people telling us that this is what is good for children. This is good for marriage. Listen, just do whatever you want. Do whatever you think is right in your own eyes. Listen, we have heard that before in the book of Judges. They did right in their own eyes. Do you know what happens in the book of Judges? I think it's one of the most sobering moments in all of Scripture. Judges chapter 2, verse 7 It says this, it says, the people worshiped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua. They had seen all the Lord's uh, great works he had done for Israel. I mean, this looks like the apex of living for the Israelites, that they are just on cloud nine together. They're worshiping the Lord, they're doing what is right in the Lord's eyes. And not three verses later, We see the devastation that says in Judges 2.10, it says, that whole generation was gathered to their ancestors, meaning they died, 
And after them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. It didn't take three verses. It took one generation of people who were following after the Lord, who were doing what was right in the Lord's eyes. And it took one generation for all of God's heritage to disappear. It took one generation for the knowledge of God, for salvation that could be understood, that all faith was disappearing before them. It took one generation in church. Do not believe for a moment that that could not happen here. You and I have a weight and a responsibility on us that we are to raise up the next generation so that they will know the works of the Lord, so that they will know the name of Jesus, so that salvation can be theirs. Listen, you and I cannot back down on this. You and I cannot give in to the culture on this. You and I, it doesn't matter what society says. Listen, what is right is what God's word says because he has the final say. It is the final authority that is right here in God's word and his design is perfect for your life. And do not think for a second that in this attack against the family saying that a man can marry a man, a woman can marry a woman, you can decide what you want to be. All of the gender confusion and all of this, listen, is an attack from the enemy to break down the family so that Jesus' name will disappear. This places a unique weight on the church. This should place heaviness on us. That as God's people, that we are called to guard the family. No matter what your circumstances have told you in the past, God's design for your life is better. The second thing we see about heritage is it is the product of humility. You see, this entire commandment is for all people. It's not just for children. It's not just for parents. It's that every single adult in Israel was given this command. Every single person in Israel was given this command. And by the way, you never age out of honoring your father and your mother. You never age out. Let's do a quick test, okay? All right, this is an impromptu poll. All right, I want everybody to just lift up your pointer finger. This is a test. All right, if you don't participate, you get an F, all right? All right, and I just want you to place it on your belly button. Isn't that weird? This is probably the weirdest thing we've ever done in church. Here's the point of it. If you have a belly button, it's God's reminder that you have a mom and dad. It doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are, you never age out of this commandment to honor your father and your mother. What does that look like? If, there, if there's this heaviness, if there's this weight on the parents, what does this really look like? It means that there should be a humility within all of us before our elders. See, it's not just mom and dad, but it's the previous generations. 
It's the generations who have gone before us to make sure that you and I know who Jesus is. Can you uh, just imagine with me, okay, the reason why you are sitting in this building, in this worship center right now, is because of previous generations who have fought, who have given, who have put in sweat equity so that you and I not only may know Jesus, but so that we may worship him right here in this building. Do you recognize that? You and I stand on the giants of previous generations. And what are we going to do for the next? I love that we have this picture. That the generations who went before us made sure that you and I knew Jesus. They pass the torch to all of us. Every generation that is represented in this church, by the way, we have five generations represented right here in our church family. Every generation has been given a torch to pass to the next generation. And every generation coming after has to have the humility to take that torch. We talk about this a lot in our church. That a healthy body is one that is multi-generationalist, multi-ethnic. That's a healthy church body. But it requires humility from all of us. It requires humility that you and I would make sure the next generation knows. It requires humility from the next generation to take the advice of the previous, to latch on to the previous generations. It requires humility. Proverbs tells us, in 1.8, it says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't reject your mother's teaching. Abide to it. This is healthy for you. Herman Bavink said this at the turn of the 20th century. Herman was a theologian. He was Dutch theologian, but he said this. He said, the authority of the father, the love of the mother, and the obedience of the child from uh, uh, form in their unity, the threefold cord that binds together and sustains all relationships within human society. These three characteristics and gifts are always needed in every society and in every civilization, in the church and in the state. Authority, love, and obedience are the pillars of all human society. And so what we need to understand is that not only is honor, does it require humility, but the last thing we see is that honor prepares the home for God's purpose. You see, the home is the battlefield and forming warriors for Christ. It is the training ground to prepare them for that future battle. This is where kids are brought up in the likeness. Children are deployed. But none of us ever stop growing in this area and preparing for God's purpose. This is what it says in verse 12. It says at the end, it says, so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. See, for us to recognize that it is in the land gives us an understanding that you don't just stay inside the walls of your own home, but you go out into the culture, you go out into society to make an impact for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And this should cause us to pause and say, okay, how am I preparing my home? Once again, no matter what age you find yourself in right now, grandparents, how are you pouring in and helping your kids parent well? 
How are you pouring in to your grandkids? Parents, what does the home look like that you are creating? Single people out there, what does it look like for you to invest in other kids? What does it look like for you to invest in other generations around you? This is a job for everybody. This is not a commandment just for those that are in a family. It's, it's for those who are a part of God's family. And there are five things that I want us to consider that it really looks like. All right, if you have a healthy home, then what are you cultivating? What does the soil look like that you are tilling week after week, day after day? The first thing that we see is that it cultivates a protection for life, all life. See, the home is that training ground that teaches us that all life matters from the unborn all the way to the elderly that is on hospice care. All life matters. Every person is made in the image of God. This is why we can say with full authority of God's scripture that we are completely against abortion. We are completely against the miscare of our elderly. And we are a multi-generational church because we care about all life. The second thing that we see is that the home should cultivate a willingness to sacrifice. There's not a single home that doesn't cultivate this, that doesn't need it. And doesn't display it. We should be cultivating a, a home that is filled with sacrifice for each other. What does it look like on Sunday afternoon when you want to watch the PGA Championship, but your kids want to watch bubble guppies? All right? There's a, there's a little bit of sacrifice that has to take place. But even more than that, what, what are you training your kids to understand about sacrifice? That it takes hard work, diligence, discipline in the home. All of these things are pointing to what it looks like to sacrifice. And listen, America was built on sacrifice. The America has always been known as a sacrificial nation. This church is known as a sacrificial church. That's where there, there are church planners all over the world because you give this, you model this every week. It's sacrifice. The second thing that we need to know is that it should cultivate a commitment to serve. What does it look like in your home to serve one another? And so that when you're outside the home, that you are always serving that like Christ has served us. What does that look like for you? The next is that we should cultivate a focus on eternity. You know, it's not just about here and now. It's not just about what I have going on in my life. It's not about the temporal things of this world, but our hearts and our minds and our eyes are focused and set on eternal things. And we understand that as a family that we are nothing more than a vapor in, a, in the wind. We should have our focus on eternity. And the last thing that we see in the home, that we should cultivate a heart for worship that everything that we do should be about worship. You know, right here I have uh, Katie's dad's Bible. And any of you that know Katie's story, uh, her dad passed away when she was 11. He passed away in 1999. Uh, but I was thumbing through his Bible this past week. And I was just looking at some notes. I was going to look and see if he had a sermon for this, but he didn't help me there, so that's, that wasn't great. 
But I was looking through all of these, and on every page, there's just notes after notes after notes. And it just reminded me of the impact of what parents really have in our lives. It reminded me of the impact that you could be leaving on the next generation. It reminded me of the impact that even when you are no, no longer here, that continues. I never had a privilege of meeting Katie's dad. But it's amazing to me that the impact, even through these little notes in his Bible, the impact that it has on me. I want you to think about your impact. I want you to think about your legacy. Are you doing everything possible to make sure that the next generation knows Jesus? The generation behind you is prepared to meet Jesus. You may be thinking right now, because every time we talk about the family, every time we give a biblical example of family, there are so many times it just just kind of picks an old scab. Maybe for you personally, you didn't have a great home growing up. Maybe for you personally that you are now recognizing that you have done everything but cultivate a, a home that is pointed toward Jesus. I just want you to hear this. The grace of Jesus fills every crack of imperfection. No matter where you are in life, you're never too far gone, and you are never outside of God's grace. Will you just bow your head and close your eyes with me just for a second? There could be many in this room right now that the reason why you haven't cultivated a home that is pointed towards Jesus is because you yourself have never given your life to Jesus. The Bible says that today is a day of salvation. That you can start fresh, you can start new right here and right now by giving your life to Jesus. Others of you in the room, you need to make a renewed commitment for your family that you want to do everything possible to make sure you're raising them in the likeness of Jesus. Maybe you need to call your dad. Maybe you need to call your mom. Whatever you need to do for restoration in your family or even in your own heart, maybe that should be today. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit in our lives. One of the primary ways that we can grieve the Holy Spirit is by not forgiving others. Maybe you need to forgive someone today. Maybe you need Jesus to forgive you. Whatever that is, I want to ask that you not leave until you allow the spirit to dig in your heart. Heavenly Father, this time is yours. And God, we just ask simply that you would speak to us. God, however we need to respond, would you give us the courage to do so? Would you give us the boldness to step forth? God, would you, by your spirit, move us right now? And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. 
Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres Baptist Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray a very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we wanna help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, Maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres. Whatever that decision is, we wanna come alongside you. And so do us a favor. You can fill out the connect card at gabc.org and one of our team members will be with you very shortly. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, We want to walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ. I look forward to hearing from you soon.